Welcome to the next level. I'm JVL here with my best friends, Sarah Longwell and Tim Miller of The Bulwark. Uh, Hey, if you are new here, mash the subscribe button, hit the like button, uh, and then come over to thebulwark.com where we do all sorts of great stuff every day. We've got free newsletters from Charlie Sykes, so many podcasts, new stories and articles every day uh, without annoying ads, all for you. Tim and Sarah, last night was fight night. Big, big fights in Ohio and Utah. What did you think? Did you watch either of them, Tim? I watched them uh, on Twitter.com, and then I I became intrigued enough by the Utah debate that I went back and watched some of that on uh, Uninterrupted on C-SPAN. Did Evan do as well as it looked like he was doing from the clips? This is a tough one for me to really answer in a unbiased way as an analyst uh, because Mike Lee is so smarmy. Evan, I've never been like an Evan super fan. It's not like I look at Evan and I think, man, that guy, I'm just overwhelmed by his charisma. Nice guy. We agree on all this stuff for the most part. But, but you know, he hasn't been Mr. Charisma for me. But compared to Mike Lee, I mean, Evan McMullen comes off as just the most cuddly, likable fella that has ever, ever been. I mean, Mike Lee is like, has Ted Cruz. Level. I didn't realize this. I don't know if I've ever watched uninterrupted Mike Lee <laughs> for know, that long on annoying topics. Um, and, so, and boy, it's, it's rough. rough. And he's like, he's like, he's got a little weasel he's nose. A, he's a tough one. And, he, and he kind of like, he, he's yeah. like, he's like just jumping at Evan, like, like Evan's the cheese and he's the rat. And he was like kind of lunging at him a few times. It was, it was very unappealing. And so it was tough for me to get past. So that. I, I, watching the clips, he's got like unbelievable Al Gore energy where he's just like circling, circling Evan and like getting in his like, like he's walking away from his podium toward Evan. Because remember, there's that famous George W. Bush thing where he stops in the middle of the debate and he goes, hey, (laughs) like, and I kept waiting for Evan to do that because Mike Lee was 100% in his personal space. Yeah, so it was hard to judge on that. And the audience and also the audience was very pro Lee, which is like the opposite of most of these debates, Uh, you know, because it's Utah where it's been like on college campuses and like Ron Johnson is, you know, getting underwear thrown at him and he's getting booed and hissed and like so it's like hard to judge it's like the opposite of that on this um and so you know i i thought that lee had a couple of points that seemed to land in the room that that was that were hard you know for me to judge whether they really landed with normal people because i was just so repulsed by his his entire presentation sarah do do these debates matter i mean i i look at them and i think to myself like okay i understand that sometimes debates can matter there are elections in which uh voters have unanswered questions about a candidate or they're leaning one way but they haven't really made the sale on the other hand you've got like guy who was proposing alternate slates of electors and trying to help a coup guy who was against the coup and like that's just what they are. Pick you like the coup or you don't like the coup. And I can't imagine people being moved one way or another by a debate on this. Wrong? Well, I'm not sure that's the binary along which people are voting. I wish <laughs> okay. it were, but I don't think it is. Let me tell you, let me tell you an interesting thing about the debates. So in I just did an Arizona focus group. Not gonna give you guys too much because I keep getting yelled at by my production staff for giving away too much on this show about the focus group show. That's what you call piquing people's interest. I know. Well, they think I give away like the money, the money stuff. Uh, so I'm oh my not going to do that. Tim, she gonna... almost said money shot. Wow. <laughs> I didn't. I just said wow. money shot. <laughs> that is not why I'm a Give us the money shot, Sarah. What was the money shot from Arizona? Uh, 
No, no, I'm not giving you, I'm not giving you that. I'm giving you uh, 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 an interest peaking tidbit, which is this. So a bunch of the people, there was a couple guys in the group, they were swing voters. So, you know, uh, and, and they were actually, they were an interesting group in that they, so they were Trump 16, not Trump 2020. So some Biden, some went third party or refused to vote. And so a couple of the, like, yeah, so a couple of the like third party writing guys were going to go Lake, but one of the guys who was going to go Lake was also going to go Kelly. So he was a Lake Kelly voter. And his reason that he would not vote for Katie Hobbs is because she refused to debate. And everybody talked about this, about how annoyed they were that Katie Hobbs wouldn't debate. And this was like a big frustration and it was not good. And you got to debate because people deserve. That's a really good reason to vote for the woman who wants to lock people up. Just hold on. Just hold on. (laughs) So this is why they're very frustrated with Katie Hobbs over this. I understand this. I share that frustration. But then when. The moderator asked, like, how many of you watched the Senate debate? Like, nobody had, <laughs> you know? Like, and so <laughs> it was just like, you know, as a couple of people were like, oh, I saw some of it, you know? Like, and so does the the idea of, like, does the debate matter? Um, like, this was my thing. I argued this, I think, last week where I was saying that Ryan and his Ohio debate last time kind of won the, the second day, right? Because yeah. the thing that was the breakout clip, even though the performances were kind of, like, middling on both sides – the breakout clip was him calling J.D. Vance, like that Trump called him an ass kisser. And like, that's what went viral. So I do think that there are, when there are breakout moments and I, I I can never tell because we're in our own, like never Trump silos. So like we have a lot of McMullen kind of, that's our oeuvre, the McMullen oeuvre. And so, uh, you know, there was a lot of clips of, you know. You don't think the average person in Provo's Twitter feed and Facebook feed is the same <laughs> as yours when it comes to McMullen content? Listen, let's, let's listen to that. Sebastian, can you throw us the, the McMullen clip? They trusted you. We trusted you. And with that trust and with your knowledge of the Constitution, Senator Lee, you sought to find a weakness in our system. You advised the White House, find an alternative slate of electors for Trump to overturn the will of the people. That's what you said. You said that that the president should listen to legal quack Sidney Powell. Please make time for her. Let her in, you told the White House chief of staff. You told the president that you were working overtime, 14 hours a day, I think you said, to unravel this for him, to keep a president who had been voted out of office according to the will of the people in power despite the will of the people. Senator Lee, it is a betrayal of the American Republic. You were there to stand up for our, converse, for our Constitution, but when the barbarians were at the gate, you were happy to let them in. He had that good. That was in his pocket. Yeah. I thought that was I thought that was strong. That was the last unctuous candidate on the stage last night. <laughs> just just a, little, <laughs> a little little factoid. Um, it was an interesting debate uh, in that regard. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he he landed. That's sort of the longer clip that I think where you know that you could tell is a little bit prepared. Uh, but he landed some other jabs on that regard, right? Like he kept he kept driving and he kept coming back to it, you know, in ways that were a little bit more pithy uh, in other areas, and so. I guess I would say I generally do not think that debates outside of the presidential level matter at all. I'm almost even borderline on whether Sarah's point about whether the day two things matter at all, unless, you know, it's something that's so bad that it goes into advertising. I do wonder, though, you know, Utah is a little bit of a different animal 
right? And like, you know, the types of uh, the electorate, uh, it is a hyper-engaged electorate. It's two kind of Mormon candidates. It's a state that zagged off of Trump, not Trump won the state both times, but kind of in very outside the the normal margin numbers, right? It was like, you know, an additional standard deviation over of Republican voters who went against Trump, you know, even though it wasn't enough to to stop him from winning. And so I, I do think that there were probably some of them that were sizing them up, right? And trying to get their number. It's harder for me to think about how they read that, right? Because I have such TDS and Mike Lee DS, right? That it's like, I, I just don't know that I can LDS. I get my head in the LDS. I, I just came up with that on the fly. <laughs> um, and so I like that, I think is the open, open question. I do. I want to say this though. I, it feels much more competitive and much more like a real thing. And that Evan got it to this point, I think is credit worthy. And I think that it, there have been at times, even on this podcast where I've sort of diminished, like whether I thought this was a realistic campaign it feels real. I mean, Mike Lee's behavior is enough to make you sense that it's realistic. Like Mike Lee is not acting like he called Evan a gadfly last night, but he's not treating Evan like a gadfly. And there's something to be said for that. So that is exactly right. And this thing where he's like, he's pissed off that Romney's not endorsing him and like close, like cinching this thing for him, which is preposterous. Like A.B. Stoddard has a terrific piece today in the Bulwark. Everybody should go read it about how Mike Lee like hasn't endorsed other people and him, you know, and how ridiculous his begging for Romney's endorsement is. But he 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 wants it, and he went on weirdly like went on Tucker to ask for it. Like what meant Romney? Hannity, I think it was Hannity. <laughs> no, it, it was Tucker. It was Tucker. Tucker. What a weird place to ask for. These are the people who have been calling Romney a cuck for the last. Why not go to Newsmax? But he's doing that because he's nervous. I mean, and there have been really reputable polls in the state that have it neck and neck. And so, look, there was a polling miss for Evan in Utah in uh, 16. And so, you know. So our colleague Amanda Carpenter is working on a piece for us right now. And her her theory here is that the McMullen candidacy is really rogue testing whether or not there is a center-right alternative to MAGA. Because this is not asking people to cross lines and vote for a Democrat. The Democrats have sat this one out. The Democrats are all going to show up to vote for a guy who is not going to caucus with the Democratic Party, right? McMullen has said he won't caucus with either side. Uh, And so McMullen is presenting a pretty pure, like, hey, I am a center-right Republican who just isn't in on the MAGA stuff. And if the Utah voters, which again, Utah is not Alabama, like it's a very red state, but it's red in a different way than Alabama is. If the Utah voters look at this and say, uh-uh, we, we want the MAGA stuff. What does that say? I, so I don't want to, I'm interested to read Amanda's article. I don't want to use this as a test case for like, if it doesn't work for Evan, it can't work. I, I think that there are unique things happening. A, a Mike doesn't Lee, mean it can't work, but it's a data point, right? Yeah, it is a data point. But Mike Lee is not you know, like Herschel Walker, okay? Or even Blake Masters, right? Like Mike Lee, as oily as I find him, right, is is a little bit more acceptable than maybe you could imagine this in a different scenario where the Republican is is grosser. And Evan, God love him, his language, if you're watching the debate, like to me, he kind of comes off sounding like us, which is fine with me. That's great. I like, you know, I like people that sound like me. But what I don't like as much is you know or as this is a test case is I wish he sounded a little bit more manier than me, right? Like I wish he sounded a little bit more 
uh, and just as a as a political science case, I, I want him to be himself, right? But as a political science case, I think that that if he was of uh, adamant anti-abortion advocate, right, who is like cheerleading the overturn of Roe and, and who kind of sounded more natural critiquing Biden over inflation. I, you know what I mean? Like all this stuff, this isn't Evan, right? So I'm not suggesting you should do that. But I think that would have been a more interesting sort of test case of what you're talking about, like a political science test case of could this work? Could a non-MAGA conservative win? And I think that that type of person would have had a better chance to win, um, even if that would have appealed to me a little less uh, as far as my politics. I have another reason why I don't love this as a test case, okay. which is like Evan did something in Utah like that is un, un, unable to be replicated in very many places, which is that he got the Democratic Party to stand down. And if you're going to get the Democratic Party to stand down, it means you have to be in a place where the Democrats absolutely cannot win, right? Where there's basically they don't want to put anybody up. That doesn't mean that there aren't some other places like that. There are, but as a national proposition or, and again, I do think Utah has a different, like, I'm not sure, can you do the center-right alternative in, like, take Alabama. What did we get in Alabama? We got Katie Britt, right? And Katie Britt was sort of the center-right alternative to the Mo Brooks crazy thing, uh, but she was still plenty MAGA, right? She still ran on build the wall. And so it's just, I don't know how much I'd treat it as a test case. Yeah, I don't know. Before we leave Utah, I will say this. And once I say it, you'll never be able to unsee it. You know who Evan looks like? You know the meme with, you know, the worst person you know has just said something that's right? Yeah, the onion thing. You know, that that guy. Evan looks like that, that guy. I don't think so. Either. I don't yes. think so. Uh, no. Same no, person. I disagree. Separated at first. Evan is much handsomer than that person. I think Evan, Evan is handsome. And I thought. That guy in the onion story is perfectly handsome too, Timothy. I don't. I don't think so. I thought Evan did well last night. I think Evan is well spoken. I I agree with you that he's he sounds a little bit like us. He talks about democracy a lot, and I think that as much as it pains me to say it, there's a New York Times piece today. The upshot is like, yes, people think democracy is in peril, but they do not care about it. So like they do not want to save it. Uh, is like about right. I think that analysis is is correct. I really think you should. We can't overstate how much credit you should get for making this race real and and having it be close. And this is where this is where I sort of disagree with with I guess JBL's triad today, or I find it too bleak because while the numbers, well, I guess like the generic ballot and some of these numbers we've seen popping up in like the New York Times poll that I think has people a little um, you know perplexed seem to be moving in the Republicans' direction. You know, there's a bunch of races that are close that should not be close. And the other one, so Evans is one of them. And then the other is in Ohio, where I am just like watching Tim Ryan, who was, that was the other debate that was going on last night. So I watched more of that debate. Of course you did. I love Tim Ryan. I think Tim Ryan is running an excellent campaign. Do you have his t-shirt yet? Do you have a t-shirt? No, but I hate J.D. Vance so much. I like Ryan very much. I think he, I think he is running the kind of campaign that actually if Evan was doing a little more of, cause he's out there being like, I'll vote with Trump. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know a party and he's, he's taken on Democrats and he's running as an independent guy. And I thought he was excellent uh, last night. And I cannot believe that the Democrats are not helping him right now. Like, I can't believe there is no outside money for him. I think it's going to be tough for Tim Ryan to win this race, but if he loses by three points, I think that the Democrats should, should be kicking themselves. Yeah, rich guys. I just, as a general thing, uh, the, the over the summer, the Democrats were well-funded going in as far as, you know, the broad-based kind of campaign type of funding, right? They're raising more money than the Republican counterparts. 
Okay, Republicans have now closed that gap and are now spending more money in large part because some Peter Thiel types are writing big honking checks. Okay. And and I don't know why that's not happening. Like that's where the gap needs to be filled in some of these things. And I, there, I'm sure no, there are plenty of Democratic rich guys that are writing checks, but like Mike Bloomberg, remember Mike Bloomberg filled this gap one cycle. In Florida. Where's he? He's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah. The, the, no, twice. I, yeah, I was in Florida in 2020 and then in, uh, in, in the midterm in, in 18. It doesn't feel like the urgency, going back to JVL's triad today about how we're kind of sleepwalking into disaster. Like it, it feels like that a little bit on, on the money side of things. And the Ohio thing is one example of that I don't, I don't want to, you know, there, there are plenty of people who are, who are participating. So I don't want to down talk anyone that is putting money in, but I just think that like you would think if it was really the case that we're at, you know, walking into a, a democratic catastrophe, you would think that one of these billionaires would be like, okay, I can put in 50 million. Or even, or the parties, the parties to right. say, like, go here. Like, this is close because right. this is what the Republicans are doing. The Republicans are going to their big money donors and they're like, no, guys, Blake Masters can win, even though he's down yeah, right. anywhere from like right. five to seven That's points point. in every poll to Kelly. But they're like, no, we're going to stay there for Masters. Like, the only place they've basically pulled out is Doug Mastriano. Everywhere else they are fighting. RGA's in there, Heritage is in there, like outside groups, whatever. And they're covering all these races. They they Vance, they gave Vance $30 million in, in Ohio that he should have walked in. They should have been pissed about putting that money in, but they still showed up for him. The idea that Ryan's running this incredible race has it this close where he is neck and neck in a place where Trump won by eight points. Uh, and he's running against a super lazy candidate who has high negatives like Go in there, everybody. Like, uh, I understand money is finite, but it's not like so finite you can't fight for a seat. So like, I don't think things are as bleak as JVL sort of outlined them to be. And part of that is because some of these places are close. What I find bleak or disappointing is that there's not more of like an urgency offense thing. Because for people who are really worried about democracy or, or worried about Trump in 2024, that all runs through 22. Right. Like everybody who is elected in 22 is going to certify or more importantly, not certify future elections. Uh, And so, like, this really matters. 100 percent. Let me let me just give you just a 90 second why I am concerned. You and I started talking about this earlier, Sarah. So when you look around the numbers over the last week or two, what you have seen is Republicans all of a sudden polling a little bit better. Not a lot, a point or two. Uh, we've seen this with Oz in uh, Pennsylvania, seen it with Vance in Ohio, we've seen it with uh, Lee in Utah, with Walker in Georgia, we've seen it now on the generic ballot. It's not a lot, it's just like a point or two. What makes me nervous is that there's no obvious proximate cause for why things should be turning around. There was not a bad jobs report. There was not a war. We did not have a a huge spike in gas prices. Yes, we are. Yes, we did. We are having a huge spike in gas prices. Again, gas prices are... No, we're having a small spike in gas prices, which are still down a full dollar from where they were when everybody was freaking out about gas prices. Uh, wrong. And I, this looks to me like just political gravity. Clearly, Shannon does the budget in your in your household. This is my deepest argument with KBL. My deepest argument with him. We we had five dollar gasoline. Everybody was tearing Listen their hair out. Of five dollar gasoline. Five dollar gasoline. And you know now we're back A at lot. like three fifty. And everyone's like, oh, but it's still more than two. It is not three fifty in New Jersey. It is not. I refuse to believe. But it. I Send bought me a gas picture. this morning. 
I bought gas this morning. I just drove. I just drove to Pennsylvania. It's four bucks there. But again, the point is, we are still 25% lower than when everybody was freaking out. So whatever correction there has been over the last two weeks, that does not explain why universally numbers are shifting towards Republicans. And I think that what's going on is that there's something in the water or it's political gravity. And that's why I think a lot of these races are going to be like Tim Ryan ran an amazing campaign and overperformed and lost by a point. You know, there there ain't no moral victories. So uh, you know what there is? Our fantastic sponsor, the people over at Bowl and Branch who make the best sheets uh, I've ever slept in. They're super premium luxury. It's the the long staple cotton that I'm always going on and on about. Tim has a funny story about this, but I want to tell you, I want to tell you a funny thing first. So uh, my littlest kid, G Money, had a stomach bug. And he came in to, to bed with us at like, you know, two in the morning. And he's sitting in bed and he's in, the, in between my wife and I. He's like, oh, I don't feel good, I think. And he starts like throwing up. And my first thing is, not on the sheets. So I like, you know, I'm pulling him once. He's like throwing up on my chest. So we're like, save the sheets, save the sheets. Don't, kid, don't get it on were the sheets. Were they saved? Were they saved? Yeah, yeah, they were. I had to shower and I'd get in the shower with him because we were covered in puke. But my amazing bowl and branch sheets were un- God, that unscathed. Is so, that is so good. It's, it is happy in our house too. I have to tell you. So we changed the bowl and branch sheets to go back to our old bamboo sheets this week. And, uh, you know, midday. <laughs> like midday, what, we a just, farmer? Yeah, we just had a little, you know, laundry session midday. So afternoon I'm walking up. I'm, I'm often typing, writing, you know, my litter box articles from my bed. And so I'm writing it from the bamboo sheets. And then Tyler goes to bed before me. And he goes up to bed, and 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 then by the time I get up to bed, the bowl and branch sheets are back on. The the bamboo sheets didn't even last a day. And I asked, I asked Tyler what happened, and he was like, I couldn't do it. Tyler can't be on the bamboo after you've done the long staple cotton. I couldn't do it anymore. He's turning the bamboo sheets into ghosts for our Halloween party. He's like, I'm fucking done with them. We're going to buy another another bowl and branch sheet. So that is a that is. Tyler's full endorsement. And he has much more sensitive skin than I do. So I think it's a good do endorsement. Do you only have two sets of sheets? Did you only have one set of sheets before uh, the bowl and branch thing came uh, no, along? We had, two, we had three different bamboo uh, types. Oh. Three different types of the bamboo that we, we rotated through. That was a good follow-up, though. That's a good follow-up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I think it's funny that that all of a sudden you've just, you had all sheets of the same fabric and it turns out you hate off, that fabric. Who makes well, we just didn't bad. know any better. I, they were better than the Target sheets that we'd been on before. So it's just a slow <laughs> progression as, as you know, we age and, and, you know, get more wise. Are you the bed maker, Tim? Or is Tyler the bed maker? Are you shitting me? Are you kidding me? I don't know. Am I the bed maker? I'm the bed maker. I have not ever made a bed in my life. And literally, when I go to, when I stay at friends' houses, it's horrible. I I now, my new thing is I now strip all the sheets and and ask them if I can put it in their laundry for them because I I cannot make the bed in a way that doesn't look like a seven year old child had made it. (laughs) And it's so embarrassing. Listen, let me tell you because I'm obsessed with good design. And another little design tweak that the Bowen Branch thing is, the pockets on their fitted sheets are so deep. They're so deep. And the elastic going around is like, you know, like two inches thick almost. And it just, it makes, it makes making the bed a joy. I'm happy for you. They're really good. So uh, huge fans of Bowen Branch. Listen, try the sheets that will make fall the coziest season of the year. You can get 15% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use the promo code next level at bolandbranch.com. That's Boland Branch, 
B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code, next level. Why did you spell out and, but not branch? That was an interesting choice. Because because I'm trying to do right by our sponsor. Okay. That's why, A-N-D. Timothy. Uh, <laughs> so listen, the Republicans, you know, a lot of people complain the Republicans don't have anything that they're really campaigning on. They're just saying defund the police, crime, inflation, but they don't have any policies. And on Tuesday, Kevin McCarthy sat down with the good people at Punchbowl News and described what his promises to the American people are. And he promises that he's going to have a giant showdown over raising the debt ceiling, that he is going to work to cut off aid to Ukraine That's and a little try to screw the dreamers. It's a little overstated. I mean, is it? he said, I think, I think what he said is it will be much harder to get a check for Ukraine. He said, I'll tell you, you're both wrong. He said, there will not be a blank check for Ukraine, is what he said. Mm. Mm. Is there a blank check now? Is that how it is? Is it just blank? Yeah, this This, is to me, this is, this this was Because I feel like I have heard over and over and over for the last six months, why aren't we doing more? Why aren't we giving them F-35s and all that, right? This is not not from them. Some on the right. From someone on the right, yeah, yeah no, Biden has been right. both too weak right. and not willing That's to right. give them enough resources, but also wasting money when we have a when we have a leaky border. But speaking of the border, the other thing, because I, I cut you off, JBL, before, and Sarah, you can just chime in on this. But the DACA thing, I thought, was also is getting less attention, but it's just like DACA is not even on the table, right? Yeah. Like for for years, yeah. this was like seemed like the easiest, and literally, it's been decades now. We've been talking about how this is the deal. We can get a deal with Dreamers, Republic, even Republicans like want you know don't want to. Dreamers. This was asked at the Utah Senate debate last night. Mike Lee and Evan, it was one of their disagreements where Evan was like, Mike Lee, what, you want to deport Dreamers? And Mike Lee kind of like talks around it. But McCarthy was very clear. No Dreamer deal is even on the table. You know, all we all we will do is fund Mr. Trump's wall. And God bless the Punchbowl people because they pushed back and they said, you know, uh, Representative McCarthy, you didn't seem to have a problem with any of the debt ceiling stuff over the course of the Trump presidency. You raised it three times, even though he blew up the deficit like, you know, by seven trillion dollars or whatever it was. And McCarthy's answer was, yeah, well, but the, the Biden spending is just too much. And I guess that's OK with people. Yeah. So this is this is an interesting point. Right. So. Right now, there's a debate going on among Democrats. Carvel came out sort of forcefully and said that, you know, you can't just argue abortion. You guys have got to talk about some other things. That cannot be your only argument. It can't be your closing argument. And I've been a little bit like, okay, but if if the argument is like about the economy, like what do Democrats argue? Like what what is the response there? Because that's a, that's tough terrain for them. And I guess that my recommendation would be, but tell me what you think of this, is to really go on offense about the fact that like Republicans have no plan. Like the, like the idea that they have a plan to reduce inflation, they don't. Like they could say like, what is your plan? Tell us how you plan to reduce inflation. I guess that's the alternative. To me, when I heard these different points, it's like, okay, so they're going to they're gonna play chicken with the national debt again. And listen, I'm a debt and deficit hawk. I think it's, I think it's unbelievable, but both parties do do it. And then on immigration... They're basically like, we're not going to ha- find a solution because they're they're saying there's no negotiation to be had. So they're not even going to negotiate on it. So it's just a non-starter. And then the Ukraine thing is basically a signaling comment to sort of appease the Putin-loving wing of their party, plus the sort of America first uh, isolationists who don't like the idea that we're sending money out of the United States, right? And so- It's also a signal to Putin though, Sarah. It's a signal saying, just hang on. We will cut the funding 
to these, these guys who are kicking your ass if you can just hang on a little bit longer. Right? This is, we have an actual enemy. I don't know if I'd go that far. Well, I would. I think it's bad that they are signaling that we will do anything short of standing behind Ukraine unequivocally. I think that's bad. Um, but, like, I also think just saying, like, there won't be a blank check is not, we will do no longer do anything. Those are different statements. I will say this. I don't like Kevin's quote. I land more on the JVL side of this than Sarah. I don't know if it's like a direct intentional signal to Putin, but I don't, I don't, I also don't think it's not something that Putin can't read into, right? And I think there's something that he already believed, which was, I might as well hang on sure. and let's see how, what happens with the Republicans are in charge. They might do something differently. But I don't think that Kevin realizes, you know, the just how risky this, this plank is that he's walking. And and I don't know that it will happen on the first vote. I don't know if it'll be the Ukraine first vote. But at some point, he's going to get into the Boehner situation, where like the, he doesn't have enough votes in his own on his own caucus to fund stuff like this. And that that could happen at the debt limit. It could happen on the second Ukraine funding initiative. It could happen on something else uh, when an emergency happens. And then it, then it's like, okay, well, what do you do? Do I go and fund the the second Ukraine bill next summer with a third of my caucus and all the Dems? Do I do that? And then am I still speaker after that? I mean, I, he's like walking himself into just this trap where he kind of can't do some of these emergency funding mechanisms with these quotes and, and basically admitting once again that he's going to be, you know, completely beholden to the America first freaks in his caucus. I mean, I think he knows exactly what he'll do, which is he'll do whatever he has to to stay in control. Right. I mean, this is right, which might be not funding Ukraine. Yeah, no, it's exactly right. Yeah. He has no principle. Believe me, Kevin McCarthy is not going to lose his job over, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting high Mars artillery to the Ukrainians. Right. I mean, this guy has no ideological commitments. He has no sense of responsibility about things that happen in the real world with real people. He just wants to go get his golden gavel. Yeah. Like I said, I know just to be clear, I think he's signaling, right, that they will not do as much for Ukraine. Like, I think it's bad. I just, he was not explicitly saying that they, like, wouldn't do it. He was, Like, he was going out of his way to say it's not a blank check, which is more a way of trying to define the Democrats as blank check givers. Sure. Um, which, again, is like living in the upside down where Democrats are the ones who are defending democracy abroad and standing with our allies and Republicans are talking about basically doing anything but that it's amazing but can you can we go back to the question that i had though what should democrats closing argument be if it's not abortion like what do they do to take on republicans if the economy as everybody says it is including in my focus groups is the number one issue uh they should campaign on uh you know we have a machine that'll let you turn your dirty laundry into golden eggs or something because voters will fucking believe anything this is you know you got herschel walker flashing his badge at his debate and everyone just goes Huh? You have J.D. Vance saying, I never said that Alex uh, Jones was reputable. Everyone goes, uh, you just lie. You just say whatever you want to voters. And they just, they'll just. Oh, 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 I have oh. an alternate view. I don't know that that's quite true. Um, I think no. that I do think that I don't think that the machine that turns dirty laundry into golden eggs message is going to work. <laughs> I don't think that'll work. Why wouldn't it? Well, I think I do. I think that the swing voting type of voter that we're trying to get, I, I don't think that is going to land with them. They're um, so smart that they'll suss it out. I, I think so. Yeah, uh, I do think that they'll <sighs> suss it out. Um, I will say this. There are certain Democratic campaigns I'm frustrated with. 
uh, and you know, not the Tim Ryan ones, but but some of the others. Um, you know, you were you were discussing the Arizona focus group. I think that this is true of Mandela a little bit, uh, despite the fact that he's uh, you know I haven't been as down on him as Charlie. I think that you can make a series of attacks against the Republican candidates about their extremism and their lack of responsibility that ties to the economic stuff, right? Like these guys are going, you know, want to crash the economy. Like they have no plan to actually fix the economy. They haven't said that they're trying to fix the economy. They want to fix the next election for Donald Trump. Like they've offered no details on what they want to do. They're all obsessed with like conspiracies about something that happened three years ago. They all are extremists when it comes to abortion. They don't want a 15-year-old girl to be who's raped by someone to get an abortion. I, you can tie all that stuff together and prosecute a case and it's different in different races for what the specifics are. And some of these guys are doing that already. That's the offensive economic message that you can have, you know, getting into the, you know, oh, unemployment is low and, you know, inflation is a global problem and all that. I, I you know, I don't, I don't see how any of that's going to work. And I don't think that's what Carville is suggesting anyway. But this is my point, right? So I've I've always this has always been the thing is like you do the extremism, you make the extremism case, and you you bundle things like it's not just abortion, yeah. right? You layer things in. But to me, these McCarthy quotes, this is my ultimate point. These McCarthy quotes can be a gift if Democrats want to use them. Like, what do they want to do? They're going to go play chicken with the national debt, and they're going to crash the economy. They don't even want to negotiate on immigration. They just want to complain about the border. But they've literally said they're not going to work on a deal. Like, why not? Like, why isn't that the closing offense strategy? It ties to the Rick Scott thing. They want to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm going to cut Social Security, right? This is, you know, yeah. I ah. Okay. Well, so let's I, get- Why is that not? The, uh, the answer to your question of why is that not the closing message is because I think that, uh, like, Democrats are, are, are struggling to, you know, get their footing on how to, you know, lump the economic stuff in with the abortion stuff and the anti-democracy stuff. And so, you know, I don't they don't seem like they're on on very compelling turf. It's harder to explain. And I think that's why you're seeing a little bit of mixed messaging on it coming from Democrats. So uh, so Paul Ryan thinks that we are all just a bunch of ninnies for being concerned about the future of democracy because he went and assured hmm. America that Donald Trump was not going to be the presidential nominee in 2024 of the Republican Party. Can we have the audio, please? Mm. I think Trump's unelectability will be palpable by then. We all know that he will lose, or he's, let, let me put it this way. We all know that he's so much more likely to lose the White House than anybody else running for president on our side of the aisle. So why would we want to go with that? So the only reason he stays where he is is because everybody's mm. afraid of him. They're afraid of him, you know, going after them, hurting their own ambition. But as soon as you get sort of the herd mentality going, it's, it's unstoppable. So I think, I think the fact that he polls so much poorer than anybody else running for president as a Republican against a Democrat is, is enough right there. He's going to know this. And so whether he runs or not, I don't really know if it matters. He's not going to be the nominee, I don't think. Sarah. What's the little voice in your head saying? <laughs> I mean, what I appreciate about Paul Ryan is 
Well, come on, give me the this fucking guy. Give me your give me your this voice. This fucking guy. Like the, what I appreciate about Paul Ryan is that he's allowing himself to be publicly this delusional <laughs> after like what is he? He's condemning the inability to stand up sternly to Trump and say it in this collective <laughs> illusion. It's funny. What did Paul Ryan do? It's just this herd what mentality. Did, I'm trying to remember what Paul Ryan did uh, when 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 the going got tough. What did he do? Did he did he? Do a lot of speeches? Did he? Did he get Let's loud? Did he demand of donors to stop with this guy? Did he? That's not what he did. I believe he wrote in Edmund Burke on his ballot. <laughs> he wrote in Edmund Burke. He he resigned his position and he joined the board of Fox. <laughs> well, you see, wouldn't you rather have Paul there in those board meetings than some other crazy MAGA head? Because he's the one who's the voice of sanity at the table there. And if it weren't for him. Who knows what they might have on Fox in primetime. Those Fox board meetings, though, I'm sure if we got the minutes, I'm sure if we got the minutes of those board meetings, he's really been holding the line. How, how, just before we get to that, how can somebody be so wrong for seven years and continue to be this wrong? I mean, it's like if you had a closet in your house, right? And every time you open the door to the closet, a bucket fell on your head. <laughs> And I, and for seven years, it kept the bucket kept falling on your head. And seven years later, you're still opening the closet door and getting hit with the bucket. Like people would be like, "How fucking stupid are you?" Okay, how fucking stupid is Paul Ryan? He's been saying the same shit since 2015. Think about all the things that have happened. It's, it's been nearly a decade. I, I, I didn't even have a child the last time when Paul Ryan was still contributing to this wrong line. Maybe he'll be right again at some point. I don't know, 2030, if we avoid autocracy, maybe in 2038, Paul Ryan will be right again. But he's sure as shit not right now. Like, I, like everything that he continues to say continues to be wrong. And every time he's just like, everybody just calm down. You know, it'll come back around. All right. It's going to it's not coming back around. Also, bro. just as a factual matter, <laughs> just as a factual matter, he's wrong. He's absolutely wrong. There is there, there may be a couple people who would be stronger Republican candidates in 2024. But, uh, but Donald Trump will be a perfectly viable candidate there. There is absolutely Donald Trump could win. And so I can this, think of one candidate that would be certainly weaker than Donald Trump, actually, in a general yeah. election. Paul, Paul Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. Paul Ryan. <laughs> certainly weaker. Would be do certainly worse than Paul and than Donald Trump. This is what all of these people do. And it gets me so hot. In they a bad hate way. Donald in Trump. In a bad way. They <laughs> hate Donald Trump. But the only permission structure they have to criticize Trump is that Trump is bad for Republican victory. That's yeah. everything else they're agnostic on. You know, I don't, I don't want to get into the who's and where to fours. You know, it's like Mike Lee saying, you know, someday I would like to hear what Donald Trump himself has to say about January 6th. Open your fucking ears, Mike. He won't shut up about it. <laughs> All he does is talk about what he thinks about January 6th. And this is Paul Ryan, too. Paul Ryan's like, you know, I don't know about all this other stuff. But what I do know is this. Donald Trump is bad for Republican victory. It's like, you know, what, what, what is wrong? What is so broken in you that you are so addicted to team politics that you can't conceive of something worse about a person than that they might be bad for your party? That, that is the thing which you look at and say, oh, Nope, can't get on board with that. Might be bad for the party. And this is what all of them do. You want to go for Paul Ryan's top three, his top three candidates? Yeah, so did you look it up? 
Oh, yeah. Do you know who I, they are? I got one them. is Glenn Youngkin. Who's the Youngkin was number two. Ron is Youngkin. number one. Ron's Paul isn't even one. fighting the fight anymore. Paul is yeah, Paul right. is not even fighting the fight anymore. His number one candidate is just Trump. It's like mini Trump with his build the wall Legos. Okay. Uh, number two was Glenn Youngkin. Number three. Number three. You guys know this, don't you? Tim Scott. Tim Scott. Oh yeah, yeah. Tim Scott. Who who remember that interview where he was asked about you know who who won the election and his response was this is like in December of 2020. But I don't even I don't want to get dragged into that. You'd have to go ask the president who won the election. Mr. Courage, Tim Scott. What what place would Tim Scott finish in South Carolina, Sarah? I would like your take after being in some primaries. Let's say that there's a primary against Donald Trump. It has Donald Trump, Ron. (laughs) It has Donald Trump. It has Ron DeSantis, Candace Owens. Nikki Haley and Tim Scott. What what place do you think Tim Scott would finish in his own home state Behind primary? Candace Owens. Behind his, <laughs> it, would be a tough, right? it would be a really tough sell to see who, whether Nikki Haley or Tim Scott got finished. Forth. Yeah, got fourth. That'd be a, that'd be a tough. I don't know. I Throw mean, Terry in there. Here's the thing is like, and this was, this is why I wrote this piece about goodbye to the good Republicans. Like the willful, and I, I love Paul Ryan. I used to love Paul Ryan. Like, now I don't know what to do with Paul Ryan. But, like, I always liked Paul Ryan. And I love when swing voters sort of act like Paul Ryan might come back and save them. You know, they're like, remember Paul Ryan? He was great. Do you think he'll run again? No. (laughs) Paul Ryan's gone. The party ran him out on a rail. He's over. And so, like, his response. But he still loves his party. Yeah. The party has no use for him, but he loves his party. And this is where Ron DeSantis is actually only a fusion candidate in the sense that People like Paul Ryan are able to fuse their delusions together about like, yeah, he's like a normal, he's a normal guy, he's a normal Republican. Paul Ryan can't possibly think that shipping migrants on a plane to Martha's Vineyard or suing, you know, trying to to use political pressure against the biggest employer in your state or, you know, having a press secretary that shouts groomer at anyone that disagrees with her boss on the internet he can't think that that is uh, becoming of the president. Like, he can't think that's the right thing, the right move. If anybody out there listening knows Paul and is friends with him and can reach out, I would do, we could pull together the money. There is nothing that I would enjoy more than just me and Paul going on a trip to a MAGA rally or a Cary Lake rally and just kind of moseying through the crowd. I just need Paul to get out of his little bubble, you know, get out of the board meetings at Fox, stop going to meet with Paul Singer, and just like, let's come out and just hang out with the people. Do you think Paul Ryan could even get out of a MAGA rally? Like if we just like airdropped him into the middle of an event, like would he could he safely make it back to his car? I don't I don't think that Paul Ryan would think 100%. that he could safely get back to his car. No way. Right? And so and yet no way. the same people he thinks are gonna use logical logic to determine that. Donald Trump is not the best candidate to win the Republican primary. Like this, the same people that you would, I assume he'd be scared of. I think it's safe to say he'd be scared of them, right? Would Paul Ryan go to a MAGA rally without security? I can't imagine he would. Absolutely not. I can't imagine Absolutely he not. Would. And this is this is why the Mike Pence idea of running for president to me is so hysterically funny. Like not only is he in the sour spot with voters, but like, I'm like, dude, the base like wanted to murder you. Like their chants were about killing you. And the president that they love thought that was cool like what makes you think this party wants you but this is this is what it is like all through the republican party right who was that guy in in georgia tim who was like yeah those people out there want to kill me right uh, oh yeah jeff duncan wasn't good guy jeff duncan right 
uh, Jeff is like, boy, my voters out there want to kill me, but I'm going to go and ask them to vote for me. You know, like this is you. I, this is the sharks and the jets. Do you remember we had this 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 discussion, Sarah? It's like you know you're with you're you get the sharks and the jets, and one you're a shark, and you know, and or maybe you're a jet. When you're a jet, you're the best you can get. And one when day, you're a jet, you're a jet all the way <sighs> from your first cigarette to your last dying day. And one day the jets just decide they're going to curb stomp you, and they just start kicking you, and it's like, going after you. And the the sharks on the other side of the parking lot, they were looking, they're like, ugh. Man, that shit's nasty. What what are they doing to that guy? And you you claw your way up from getting away from this stomp out. And instead of going over to the sharks, you're like, "Hey guys, no, I'm I'm going to stay here. You just you, if you want to keep kicking me, that's cool. I'm a jet all the way." <laughs> what is this? What is wrong with these people? Tribalism's a hell of a drug. Marginal tax rates. <laughs> Marginal tax rates. All right. I don't want to belabor this. uh, Ron DeSantis is the safe space for Paul Ryan. But they're all safe. You know what? If Carrie Lake is the nominee, Paul Ryan will vote for her. I don't think that, again, though, to the using the literal term of a safe space, I don't believe that to be true. Like, I think that that Ron DeSantis could have a fundraiser for Paul Ryan at at Paul Singer's Loft. And that would be a safe space for Paul Ryan. But I think if they went down to the panhandle and Ron DeSantis and Carrie Lake had a rally together, I I, I don't think that Paul Ryan would go there without security. I meant it's a safe rhetorical place. Like, this is how I I stay on the team. No, yes. All right. Uh, Good show. Long show. Uh, thanks again. To we didn't get to we didn't get to Obama. Yeah, we got a bunch of other. We stuff. We got other stuff. Do we need to hit that stuff? I feel like we've really. I got spun up very hard. I don't want to do anymore. We didn't get it, make it to to oh, to anti woke Obama. We don't need to. I just meant. I just like. I got to go do peaceful warrior. I can't. I'm too ramped up. I like to tell. I like to tell people what could have been. You know what they could have had. You know we could have had some riffs on anti woke Obama. And you know maybe the people in the comments might like that. We could have done some anti semitism stuff. We could have talked about Kanye, but they didn't get that. Get some wanting to come back next week. I do get to see Sarah tomorrow, though. I'm very excited about it. I'm on a red eye, so I'm going to be very uh, flustered by the time I get there. We'll see if I get any sleep. I'm on a red eye, going straight in, and then uh, for people listening on Wednesday. I will be, if you didn't get a ticket, because the Bulwark Live event on Thursday night. Sold out sold like out. two and a half days. Sold out. Like before we even announced the special guest, Michael Fanone. Yeah, that we had the secretly the bullet in the chamber. That's a, maybe a bad metaphor. It's a terrible metaphor. But we, uh, but Michael Fanone was, we were ready to break him out if we didn't sell enough tickets. Didn't even need it. Didn't sold out before people even knew about Fanone. He was just a little cherry on top. So if you did not get a ticket because you're sold out, you can come see me if you want. On Wednesday, I'm going to interview Robert Draper about his book, Politics and Prose. So I'm on a red eye. I'm teaching a class. I'm going to have a meeting with Sarah. Then I'm going to interview Robert Draper. And then I'm going to go to bed and get my get my energies up for, for live Bulwark. What class are you teaching? Some American University class. I don't know. Nice to have a Bulwark uh, reader, uh, professor. Somebody liked us. Wanted asked me if I could come by. Uh, talk about ethics. Oh, wait. You're an... GW guy. I am, and I am, and I... And They're I, an AU. Isn't that a Sharks and Jets thing? The AUGW? There's no... No, no, Georgetown. Georgetown. So, AU is like our like cute little... Cute right, little I don't want to get you in trouble. It's like, oh, that's cute. You're an AU. Um, but I, I was... I, I did send a note to G, the GW department letting them know that I, I haven't been invited, and... <laughs> you know, I think that's kind of strange. A number of schools have invited me, not my alma mater. And so I did send them a sternly worded note. And I think that I might get invited next semester to GW. Yeah, well, me neither. So get in the line. All right. Good show. <laughs> long show. 
everybody, yeah, hit subscribe, mash the subscribe button, hit the like button, go to thebulwark.com, sign up for all of our great stuff, listen to the podcasts, read the good articles, uh, get Charlie Sykes' newsletter every morning in your inbox, so free. Tim, Sarah. It's been so great. Bye. Bye.